everyone. Welcome to another brand new episode of Talking About Rock. I'm Rob Edwards. Let's check in with Jerry Schmidt in Nashville, see what's happening there. Rob, how you doing? Good. Hey, Wednesday night, I saw Bruce Dickinson, the legendary voice of Iron Maiden. He brought his spoken word tour to the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, and uh, he was quite engaging and, and very brilliant. As you know, he's an aviator and a brewer and um, the, uh, the lead singer of one of the biggest rock bands in the entire world, Iron Maiden. And um, he talked to us for two hours before intermission and then came back and did an hour of Q&A, answering some of the audience members' questions. And um, it was quite enjoyable. He's um, certainly somebody that everybody needs to look up to. Yeah, that's really something different for him, right? I, I wasn't expecting something like that, but all the reviews on the shows I see, it's it's been really cool. I mean, the guy's multi-talented, no doubt. I mean, he's flying the Iron Maiden plane, for God's sakes, right? I know, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a segment there where he talked about the differences between Boeing and Airbus. So apparently he flies both of those models of planes, and it was just fascinating to listen to him talk about the whole science and engineering behind the whole thing. Very cool, very cool. So without further ado, we have local Nashville band, progressive Christian metal band, Oblivion Myth joining us today. We have Keith Smith on guitar, Ryan Mark plays the bass, and Tim McDonald is the vocalist for Oblivion Myth. Um, not joining us today, unfortunately, is Bob Schultz, the uh, the drummer, the man behind the kit. But uh, hey, seventy five percent of the band's not bad, right? That's what we're bringing today. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it a, a fair characterization to call you a progressive Christian metal band? I hate to uh, put anybody into a box and generalize, but how do you guys? Um, see yourselves and and how do you guys um classify yourselves when it comes to the rock and roll spectrum i think that's pretty fair i mean we we like prog metal and we're definitely christian and if you added you know some classic heavy metal you know british metal german metal kind of elements into that and uh maybe a dash of sweden and uh you know yeah yeah would i would definitely like to go to sweden and check out the metal scene over there. There seems to be a lot of great things happening there. You know, Europe has an absolutely insane pool of talent, you know, Sweden and Finland and Norway and all those, you know, the Netherlands, it's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I love that stuff. Have you been over to Europe yourself? No, I haven't. But um, if I ever wanted to really do some traveling, uh, hitting uh, Helsinki and Stockholm and uh, Oslo, would be a great great tour. I, I would enjoy that that would be a metal lover's dream that's for sure yes it would so i saw you guys on friday night over at the cobra in nashville and it was my first time seeing you and i just wanted to say what a fantastic show that was i was um thank you surprised but um no doubt i knew it was going to be great with uh with the talent of musicians in this band thank you Thank you. Welcome. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we yeah. wish we could do that more often. Um, it is uh, nice that um, Cobra has really upgraded 
their facility. The stage is much bigger, you know, a, a good PA, a cooperative, friendly, helpful sound man. Those things are really important. And uh, I, I would look forward to playing there again. All right. Well, it, Jerry, it looks like we're going to have Bob joining us here. Uh, he's going to be popping in here. Oh, terrific. Terrific. <laughs> hey, when we were talking about like the category that we're in, you know, we like, uh, you know, we're fans of thrash metal, power metal, progressive metal. Our lyrics are faith based and is in, you know, the Christian genre of, of metal. And, um, you know, we like, like the symphonic metal, opera metal. You know, it's kind of like, you know, all different genres in the metal, all within the metal sub, you know, subgenres and uh, kind of like Queen was with, with the whole rock thing. You know, rock, Queen was rock, they were metal, they were jazzy, they were a whole bunch of things. And yeah, on our, that's, a, that's also an influence of ours. Yeah, on, on our last album, when we were writing it and assembling it, the bohemian rhapsody movie was out and i think all of us were listening to queen a lot too and uh yeah we just kind of had this idea that every song could be a different style of metal and take you to a different country and and i think that that really shows on the in your arm cd now i might be missing something but have you guys ever taken a crack at writing a ballad or performing a ballad or our drummer bob really wants us to do that and it is yeah. possible you know, and the uh, Knights Errant is, is arguably a, a power ballad uh, off the first CD. Now, you guys recently went from a five-piece outfit to a four-piece band. How did, that guy, how did that affect you musically and stylistically, um, especially Keith, I guess, going from the two-guitar attack down to one guitar? Um, I suppose that's probably made... Um, made your job a lot harder <laughs> uh, yeah a little bit um it's not by choice uh chris selby uh, what you know wanted to make a change and and move to uh phoenix arizona so you know we wish him well he's still a brother and he always will be a friend and the door is always open for him to come back but uh, you know um yeah I, you know, ideally the, the full sound of the band would have a second guitarist and a keyboardist or one of the, one of the two or both. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, um, and over the years we have done many shows, not by choice, with guitar, bass and drums. And when a lot of the music really calls for a second guitarist, so um, we're talking to a few people. We're not announcing it and, and having everybody chime in, but we're kind of like keeping it um, within people that we know and, and kind of word of mouth. And um, it's very possible um, that we'll be blessed with another guitar friend and uh, want to be a part of what we're doing. I dream of having a keyboard player. That's always been the dream. And you could get by with one guitarist because Keith can totally carry the lead work and rhythm is not so hard for him. Um, a keyboard player would fill everything out. But yeah, two guitars and a keyboard player. Sure. Why not? That'd be great. Yeah. I wanted to, wanted to ask you about the keyboard player. I, I figured that it would fit you guys very, very well. 
um, being progressive metal, it seems to be a pretty key component of that genre of rock and roll of that yeah. type of music, um, like the Dream Theaters and the Sons of Apollo type bands. Mm-hmm. I, I think you guys uh, resemble those very well. No, thank you. Yeah, you know, Symphony X and Dream Theater and bands like that are big influences for me. And, uh, but it's like, you know, over the years, just, you know, we've, we've even done shows without a bass player in the very early years of the band. And it's like, it's like, we are, it's like, if we don't get out there and start playing for people, we're going to be stuck in this rehearsal room and we're never going to play for anybody. So whether we're missing a keyboardist because, you know, it's on the albums or a second guitarist. Uh, or even a bass player over the years, we had just gone out there and just delivered the goods. Well, nobody said you couldn't do it as a four piece. And it was certainly beautiful sounding on Friday night there at the Cobra. So I would have never have known that you guys had more members until I started doing my research. Um, Then again, it was my first time seeing you and I quite enjoyed you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you guys so, hear me? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got something to say, boy? Hello? <laughs> yeah. Hi, Bob. How are you? Welcome, Bob hey, Schultz. Drummer for... Hey, it worked. I'm sorry that I'm a little late. It's my fault. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it. Yeah. I hope everybody's doing all right. I know Keith is because I just talked to him before the Zoom meeting happened. In Brentwood at the time. It uh, looks like uh, Keith's doing very well. I'm doing all right. We're supposed to have band rehearsal tonight, but we had some uh, snow and ice, and it's not fun to drive on. So uh, our Friday night rehearsals like been preempted. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's uh, part of the troubles of uh, snow and ice here in Nashville. It um, Seems to be hard to navigate when it does happen because it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, True. we know that. We know that all too well here in Buffalo, right, Jerry? Um, oh, absolutely. Just crazy so, weather here. But for, for some of the folks that aren't as familiar with you guys, can you give us a little bit uh, of history with the bands? So you guys came out in 2005, and then you guys, I think you released uh, Between Light and Shadows in 2008. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, I started the band in Palm Bay, Florida in 2002. I brought it to Tennessee at the end of 2005. By, and then we pretty much had a demo in 2006 and seven. And really the first official version of that album was the third one with Andy Freeman in 2008, who's been our producer and master and engineer um, on all three albums and soon be the fourth. And Andy came from Fatal Opera down in Florida, which was the band that Gar Samuelson put together after he was no longer in Megadeth. And that's how we, and uh, Andy Freeman used to live here in Tennessee. And so yeah, the first album, Between Light and Shadow was 2008. And then the second album was 2016, and that was Inside the Mirror. And that was with Tim McDonald. And, uh, and then in 2020, we came out with In Your Arms. 
Right. And, and, it, and it seems the sound has changed a little bit. It's grown a lot and it's a lot more like you guys were talking about earlier. It's more operatic. You know, Jerry and I discussed this a little bit, I think, and we were talking, it's kind of like uh, Queensryche meets meets uh, Dream Theater meets meets Queen type of very operatic type of sound. That's that, you know, uh, heavily on the writing on the on, on those al first three albums um, are definitely, the, you know, the influences of, of, of Tim and I. And, um, and then, uh, you know, Ryan can speak for himself. He's, he's, he shares similar, you know, um, influences of artists as well as Bob. Tell him, Ryan. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, I, I certainly I come primarily from a, a progressive background, but also, I mean, I cut my teeth a lot on Zeppelin and Rush and yes, and you know more progressive yet not metal bands but then at the same time i'm in a dream theater and tool and i even go into the extreme metal um things about some of the death and deathcore you know not as much as i do the progressive some of the others but um i you know and then i also of course the symphonic stuff i i, I write classical music you know for fun sometimes you know we want more of You're awesome yeah, he just like, oh, I just, yeah, I write a few symphonies, a choir, a concerto, you know, <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun, uh, right, right. No, Ryan's an incredible talent, and I just can't tell you how much of an, uh, an, the possibilities with this guy. Um, I'm still waiting for him to add some strings and some things to a demo that I've sent him about a thousand years ago. <laughs> but um, no, he's absolutely amazing. He's a music teacher. He knows theory called multi-instrumentalist composer. You know, we're just utterly blessed to have the guy. Excellent. But, you know, when the, the thing about the sound getting more operatic and all that, that, that happens when you add backup singers. So that's something that I was very keen to bring in. I like in Europe, they have these super groups, you know, like Avantasia with Tobias Samet and he brings in all these guests uh, Ari and Anthony Lucasen does that quite a bit. Um, anyway, I wanted to have guests and bring in new voices and you, you can double your voice over and over and it's still not going to sound anywhere near the same as having multiple people singing together. You know, that's when you get that real sound of a choir and I wanted that. And, um, so yeah, that's a big part of the operatic drift is adding backup singers. Excellent. Yeah. With harmonies, the more harmonies, the better, I say. Exactly. Exactly. So let's take a quick pause here, guys, if you're if that's all right. And we'll, we'll check out the uh, video for uh, the title track for Inside the Mirror on Talking About Rock.
Okay, we're back here on Talking About Rock with Oblivion Myth. Oh! Tell us about the uh, making of the videos for the In Your Arms album. Well, I was looking for a theater. Um, I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of Metal Church. And they did a music video called uh, uh, for the song When the Children Break. It was in a theater. And I always wanted to do that like a ballroom or something like that. So I looked around Tennessee to try to find something that we could afford, if something existed. Ended up finding the Capitol Theater built in 1935 in Lebanon, Tennessee. And, and it was still use it. And we were there, we booked it on a Sunday in and, and mid-August, it was super hot. And we shot, we were there on production for 10 hours and we shot two music videos. Now I'll let, I'll let Tim talk now. <laughs> oh no i mean that that sets it up but yeah we went in we wanted to do the songs thousand years and when we realized that if we were going to do this let's add a couple more hours to the shoot and then let's do two videos so then we said well it makes sense to do the title track in your arms and it, we did thousand years first and that was kind of where all the emphasis had been going into it but once you know when you shoot these videos you only run through it two or three times, you know, they get enough footage to assemble it. You don't just sit there and do it over and over and over again. You get two or three runs. They had multiple cameras, multiple angles. That was enough footage, you know? Um, but then we did, uh, everybody was like tired, sweaty, you know, grouchy. And then we did in your arms. And for that, we all put on leather and studs and we're already sweaty. So there's just a grittiness <laughs> to that. And we changed the lighting completely and made it just a whole different feel. And, um, after we saw that, we're like, well, we thought a thousand years would be the promo, but no, it's going to be in your arms. This, this, this cooks, you know? Yeah. That was the first thing I saw. Yeah. 
Somebody, somebody had to play them all and a, uh, of every time, as opposed to some people sitting out on some of the passes, film style. But we won't say who that was. <laughs> it's the drummer, darn it. Let's put it that way. But it was cool. Um, what's your con contribution to the uh, the songwriting process with Oblivion Myth? Um, do you um, have an idea that you bring to the table, or um, do these guys pull it out of you, or um, how? My, mine is so. Keith and I have uh, have written a couple of songs here and there uh, uh, back during yesteryear. And um, basically when Keith has some riffs, he likes to work them out with a drummer. So absence of malevolence was that way, which was off of inside the mirror. Uh, you know, he had all these riffs and then we would play and, and we would put them together and he'd get his note, he'd get his uh, paper out and uh, he'd say, okay, well, this sounds good here and let's try this. And so, you know, it would be like a little puzzle that would put together, you know, one by one. So my kind of contribution is more kind of fine tuning some of the orchestration that's there or, you know, adding a breakdown or, you know, I, I play real groove oriented and I like each section to sound, to have its own identity. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of the stuff on times on the songs where, you know, one verse, you know, speaking from the drums is not the, is not the same as the second verse. Um, uh, the song in your arms is a prime example of that. Uh, you know, the drums are more laid back, if you will. Uh, but then once the second verse kicks in, you know, Tim's voice changes and, and the drum pattern changes, you know, so one verse to, to the second verse is, is different. So it's a little, I tend to play a little more on the progressive side and try to bring out some, some nuance a little bit. And the other thing that I like to do is um, when the songs lend to it, I like to make the songs really, really big at the end. Uh, Everlasting Fire, which is one of my favorite songs off of Inside the Mirror, and it's one of Tim's as well. He's nodding his head, yes, yep. Um, that song ends just huge, um, you know, just as a song, but even if you listen to the drums, you know, they go crazy. And But then it just ends, bam, on a crescendo, one last hit, and it's just... So, anyway, I just like to bring a lot of dynamics to the playing, and I like to emphasize kind of what the guys are doing whether that's guitar or the bass or whatever or even vocally you know tim's vocals you know give me a lot of ideas um for the inside the mirror album or excuse me for the in your arms album in particular i was so excited about the songs and, and the title track in particular on in your arms i had like like eight or nine different drum parts in various parts of the of the song because it was spurning so many musical ideas that I had. And so I really had to kind of whittle it all down and tone it all down a little bit. And, you know, I had this real fast hi-hat thing for for the verses and I really dug it with the guitar. But after listening to it, you know, a recording of it, I'm like, okay, it, it sounds different on a recording than it does in my brain. So it's always good to hear that objective perspective when you can actually hear it because things don't sound the same in your head as they do when you actually hear it back so um but so it's kind of a give and take you know i sperm keith to do things you know he sperms me to do things and so um it's kind of like a fine tuning and like a honing type thing that's how i look at it very good well it's uh it's very impressive and it's very um thunderous um i mean definitely bombastic 
And um, you're certainly noticeable back there. That's for sure. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I was talking to Keith the other night, and you described this as a ministry. I was wondering if you have ever touched a uh, particular fan or fans who have been struggling with their faith, and maybe they um, came up to you and approached you and maybe had a talk with you or um, came out and said they were inspired by your music and um, um, maybe um, changed their, um, their faith for, uh, for the better and became a believer. Have you guys um, had any stories like that with fans? Yes. Yeah, uh, we played the high watt, I think it was in 27, like 17 or 18. And there was a there was a fan that came up to us that had been losing their faith. And something um, made made her get out of the house and get to a show and be out in the public and whatnot. And came to uh, came to the show, but not knowing that we were what we were about. And the the messages between the songs and the lyrics really spoke to her heart. And she talked to us after our, after the, at the end of this night and we were packing up and um, we prayed with her like right there on the spot. She wanted uh, us to pray with her and, and uh, she was thanking us and, and we we're like blessings back and forth. And um, it was a, it was a, it was a great thing. And that's, that's really what it's about too. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's taking the, you know, the word of God through heavy metal and music, just like Striper does and all the other bands and bringing it right to the stage and the public. I think our approach is, um, I don't know that how unusual it is, but, you know, we, we basically, you know, in the past I've talked to the crowd, you know, from the stage and I, I try and say positive things. Um, we're sometimes playing alongside bands that are pretty doomy and that's okay if that's what they're into, uh, musically, uh, lyrically, you, you know, you're going to hear something different out of us. And I will tell, you know, the crowd, it's, I'm not going to say, you know, repent, accept Jesus, or you'll go to hell. I'm not going to do yeah. that, you know, to a crowd. I'm going to say things like when you get home tonight, look in the mirror and tell yourself I'm a miracle and you are that kind of thing. You know, I want to lift them up you know i don't want to take them yeah. to any dark place and but i also don't want to shame them or make them feel defensive you know um you got to be careful how you you know you you don't want to be accusatory and you don't want to make people you know feel defensive you know you want to bring them to the light you know it's a welcoming come brother you know not a repent you know that's right. not me and, and we're never going to do that if i'm holding the microphone but we will right. say the name of Jesus. And you heard me do it the other night. You know, I introduced our song, The Veil, and told the crowd right up what this song is about is the moment where Jesus gave up his soul on the cross. And there was a reaction. There was an earthquake. The skies darkened. A Roman soldier standing there said, surely this man was the son of God. So imagine how that crowd felt. He was legit. And we killed him. Oh, not good you know that oh, had yeah, to be a yeah. feeling like nothing else that that dismay that they felt seeing that proof but only after they did it you know what i mean that that had to be just a, a mind-blowing experience so that's what the song's about you know yeah. and, um, sure there was still some people that 
wouldn't admit that they were wrong, that they killed the son of God. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they tried to say that um, his disciples stole his body from the tomb. You know, there's been, you know, he, he is opposed, you know, by the forces of darkness, you know, but they're going to lose. Right, right. Well, Rob, wants to run the video for In Your Arms, I'm talking about rock. Yeah, let's check that out. In your arms tonight, I lie.
great. All right, we're back on Talk About Rock. We just checked out the video for In Your Arm from Oblivion Myth. Amazing video, guys. Uh, that was the first thing I saw by you. It's just definitely a standout song, standout video for sure. Thank you. <laughs> we worked hard at it. Um, we, we hired some really, really good guys. You know, we shot the video in, uh, what was it, uh, August 2020. And that was one of the darker times for COVID when nobody was working, the entertainment industry was shut down. And we had some stone cold pro people sitting around in Nashville waiting for a gig. And um, we were so lucky to be able to get them a guy named Joey Harrow, who does, you know, major country artist music videos. He shoots for the Grand Old Opry and stuff like that, meaning he's working in the top level of his industry. Um, he shot the the free cam 4k stuff we had a jib crane guy that was you know you walk into the theater and you see this jib crane on a dolly and stuff and you're like hey, this is for real you know this is going to be a cool video um, oh so yeah good people. And don Carr. yeah don was the director and um you know don is on iron maidens uh touring production so he he understands show business in the big time, you know, has a good eye for it and, and was able to put in a lot of input to how the camera shot should be and talking and the cameramen too are friends of his. He, we got access to them because of Don. So thank you, Don. I actually saw Don the other night on Wednesday night, he was shooting for the Bruce Dickinson spoken word tour. And um, he took a little video of me and asked me my thoughts and a bunch of other fans coming out of the show, what they, they thought of the show. So um, Don's been on this show as well, talking about Noise Cult and um, of course, Iron Tribe with, uh, with Keith Smith here. Um, Don's the yeah. other artist in the band. And um, I guess I wanted to ask you, um, some of the songs by Iron Maiden and Tim, you played in a Judas Priest cover band I think you told me it was defunct now. Um, For and, now. And, but um, some of those songs are, um, shall I say, um, maybe not so positive and maybe um, overtly evil and they have sexual overtones. Do you guys struggle with your faith when, when you perform sometimes? I mean, um, do you cringe, Keith, when when you you play the number of the beast i'm i'm just curious and and tim maybe um eat me alive by judas priest i mean we don't we don't do that one um, okay and, and i will absolutely tell you that there were certain songs that i said i'm not going to do those uh, i'm not going to do touch of evil i'm not going to do you know i have to go through the song list but there were songs that were off limits to me but that's a powerful question and uh i'm actually you know, thank you for being so bold as to ask a powerful question like that. Um, we, we need to be challenged. And yeah, I have had conflicts and I've had concerns and I have actually said there are certain songs I don't want to do. You know, the whole Judas Priest trident, you know, thing to me, um, they wanted that to be the Sad Wings logo. And I said, man, it's just, I can't do it. To me, it's, it's like a mockery of the cross. I can't get behind that. So, you know, I, I created the Jagged Judas, the old 80s logo, right? You know, I kept sticking with that. But, yeah, I, I will let Keith answer for his part. But, yeah, yeah, I felt conflict over it, and there were certain songs I wouldn't do. Yeah, I was uh, just curious about that. If, um, 
if you guys um, grappled with that um, um, when you guys did these uh, these cover band projects? Well, yeah, um, there has been times when um, uh, I do cringe, you know, um, but uh, I remember hearing what, uh, what Nico McBrain said about being an Iron Maiden, being the only Christian in the band. He wants his brothers to go to heaven and he's sticking to them and being and, stay, and staying in their lives um, and being, you know, if he's the only Christian in Iron Maiden, then at least somebody is right and he wants to uh you know like i said bring his brothers to heaven um now playing in uh, I've, I've played in several cover bands i've been in uh i had a damage band so it was all metallic stuff and um it was tough doing songs that had the word infanticide in it and um i'm not a big fan of doing stuff like that but and there's um and then, you know, the whole Number of the Beast song with Iron Maiden, um, to me, it's not like a phrase of evil song. It's telling a story of something evil. And, but with me, I'm always wearing my crosses. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, uh, it's, it's, if I'm going to be the only Christian that's, that's playing these songs in these clubs, and then they see, and then they start to uh, discover that I've got a band of Lydian myth. And that just leads to another thing. And so by uh, just being a part of that, um, it's, um, it leads to, for me, it will lead, hopefully lead someone to something far greater and better than being stuck in the kind of floating around in the dark world of metal that's praising evil because because evil does uh, dominate heavy metal, and what we're trying to do is be the light in the darkness. Yeah, that that brings up that brings up another question for me actually. So, in this type of musical genre, just like you said, it's more it's more um, more geared toward the negative and the darkness and stuff like that. Do you, does does it feel more difficult for you guys tended to break through or to be more popular or to be more you know? reach with a bigger audience seeing that you're like the christian metal side of it like like you mentioned like striper before is, do, you, do you feel like there's there's anything that's like holding you back be, be, because of your strong faith or do you think that really chimes through with the people and it actually works out better i think I, I, go ahead please so i think from my perspective something i've really thought i thought about this question a lot and one of the things I've just seen, you know, metal kind of started as this underground, almost kind of counterculture type movement. Exactly, know? exactly. With like Black Sabbath and bands right. of Deep Purple and, and you know, the, Zeppelin. And, and I've seen, you know, I see the other, a lot of the bands we uh, go with and, and go and see and things like that. And it's almost like we've kind of become the, the rebels because of our faith. We're the ones that aren't, the only ones that aren't going off on some profanity laced soliloquy on stage. Right. The you new know, underdogs we, type of thing. Right. Yeah, we, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're different. And so the next show, we don't have to preach on stage, you know? So the fact that we just, there's, the, there's that something different about us. It's kind of like we've, we've become the new rebels, you know, which I think is what a lot of metal is about. So for me, I think it's almost kind of worked in our favor. It's kind of set us apart. 
Yeah, sounds good. That's a way better answer than I was going to give. <laughs> <laughs> I just took my moment. <laughs> so do most of your fans come to your shows knowing that there's a Christian message with your music, or do they find out after the fact? It's 50-50. We've, we've done shows where they definitely know and they, you know, and they we have our repeat fans, but then uh, there's times when, you know, I, I, I'll hear, you know, uh, a situation and then my wife will tell me later and she goes, yeah, this, this guy, they kept on going, coming up to the merch table and he's like, oh, I get it. You guys are Christians. And that was like in the middle of our Explains set. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I had like a little stack of small little Bibles, you know, they're about this hand-sized little Bibles, you know, that are on the on there. But you know, you know, you definitely hear it in, in, the, in what's being said on stage through the music and in between songs. We have experienced some, uh, you know, some local booking and some people that haven't booked us. We have noticed that it's been hard to get shows the last couple of years. Uh, you want one person kind of in particular who I'm not going to mention. So, you know, <laughs> they're holding that downside of it a little bit. But, you that know, that's it, But, you know, we just we can't look at that. We just have to do what we need to do. And you know what? Ultimately, it just comes to loving people, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I want to do better at that. I'm not a very outgoing person, but, you know, I want to be able to share, you know, love and, and, and experiences that I've had um, recently in the last couple of years, you know, myself with uh, being injured and kind of a lot of things that I've been through and stuff, um, you know, but it's just ultimately about loving people, you know, Jesus fellowship with sinners and ate, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were irate and beside themselves that Jesus would spend time with sinners. He wasn't being corrupted by them. He was loving on them and being friends and, ultimately trying to get them to heaven and change their lives for the better here on earth. So it's just, you know, if we love our fellow man more than we love ourselves, which we cannot do on our own strength, we have to have the Lord's strength to do that. But he gives that to us if we allow him to do that in our hearts, which is an ongoing process. But that's just part of sharing and sharing his love with other people. It's as simple as that. Yeah. That's I'll go ahead. And that's why we'll play a show anywhere with anyone other than like an entire festival of satanic bands. We would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I really agree with what you're saying, though, because the power of music itself in general is just so strong. You know, it, it breaks down all barriers, you know, and, and reaches everybody on such an emotional and personal uh, level. And I know many artists have said this, you know, if they write something and, you know, they get the feedback from the fans that, that they touch them, that they understand something they're going through or they relate to that. That's what it's all about. That's yeah. doing that music and relate to those people. Uh, that's that's definitely what music is all about. Right. That's, to me, that was the big thing on the, the Inside the Mirror album is uh, uh, the majority of that material is um, things that Keith had written um, with Chris and and, you know, band history you know, legacy music waiting to be recorded. Uh, but when I heard the song Inside the Mirror and I realized the lyrics were strongly anti-suicide, um, I knew that Keith was salivating for something that was kind of prog rock. The, the prog word was a big deal for him right then. And um, that he wanted, he wanted that, you know. 
but I heard the song inside the mirror. I thought about it. I thought this is an incredible message. It's totally anti-suicide. It's powerful. It's well-written. The title inside the mirror is thoughtful, but it's not pretentious. You know, I found the image of the girl looking in the mirror out in the woods, you know, it just, it all locked in together, but that's, the whole thing is, you know, we're trying to reach people on a very real level. I mean, we have songs that are have fantastical content, you know, space metal and stuff like that. But we have an awful lot of songs, too, that are about the human condition and the internal struggle, you know, and it's permeating all three albums, you know. But, yeah, we try and relate because we're people, too, right? You know, yeah, when, we first started, when we started, the, I wrote the lyrics for Inside the Mirror. And, I, and my intentions were to be about uh, to be able to look your you know look at yourself in the mirror, be able to look yourself in the eye, and uh, and deal with whatever problems that you're having. You know, some people have a hard time looking at themselves, uh, right. do, like whatever they may be doing that's bad, or they're suffering, or they're in trouble, or whatever. It's just like um, it's basically facing your reality and your identity, and um, and then there is hope. But this is what's so cool is that Keith wrote those lyrics from where he was, but the words can apply to so many others because, you know, it says in the chorus, you know, I'm no longer waiting for the end, my soul to transcend, my life a memory. I'll take all that this life has given me, the joy and misery on my road to glory. That is a powerful anti-suicide declaration. I'm going to take it. I'm going to live this life and see it through to the end. And to me, that was powerful stuff that would lift people up, you know. And the latest offering you guys got out is uh, the new song and video for a thousand years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. Um, just like the last album was quite a bit of backlog from Keith. Um, there was some backlog from me on the new album. So, uh, but thousand years just popped up out of nowhere. And every time we put an album together, a song comes out of nowhere on, uh, inside, uh, the mirror, it was battle angels here. It's thousand years. And they're both kind of, you know, European polka metal as Keith likes to call it. I love that stuff. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Yeah. Polka, polka well, metal. I mean, That's a new one on me. Hey, if you, the, I, I, you know, the accept song fast as a shark, you know, that one, the classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So listen to the guitar solo. He's going. That's polka. That's on an accordion. That's totally, that, but it's cultural that's, and it's great. That's you true, know, yeah. It sounds great on an electric guitar, but that's totally cultural. And, but yeah, I love that stuff and I'm impelled to write songs like that. But, um, we had, um, three ladies in town that uh, all have their own bands. They, they're very hardworking. Um, Kat Fritchman and Vicki Reed and Carmen Sanders. And um, they were willing, they're friends of mine, willing to do backup vocals. And Carmen had a seriously legit operatic soprano voice, just like Thunderbolt, cracked the ceiling, loud, powerful. So um, I wanted something kind of bombastic, opera metal-y, and that became Thousand Years, and um, her voice is a little more prominent in that song to give it that extra opera element, you know. All of them sang through, you know, many of the songs, but um, that's one in particular where Carmen's opera voice kind of helps set that tone and give it that authenticity. Yeah, definitely an outstanding, an outstanding track. So let's take a quick pause here. 
and take a look at the video for a thousand years uh, with a, from Oblivion Myth on Talking About Rock.
Okay, we're back here on Talking About Rock. We just watched the uh, video for a thousand years from Oblivion Myth. Excellent, guys. Really good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you. Love that song. So you guys so got, uh, so what's coming up next for you guys now? Uh, I was looking on your site. You got some tour dates coming up within the next couple months, right? Yes, um, we're playing Clarksville on March 4th, and we're playing um, down in uh, the Atlanta area in Duluth, uh, which is on the east side, northeast side um, in Georgia, and um, on, on March 19th. And then um, I, I, there's some places that I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, for us to play that's been a, it's been too long since we've played some shows it had been the show that we had last friday was a three and a half years since the last nashville show we had we had finished out 2018 and then 2019 we pretty much were working on the in your arms album chris selby came back to the band and then uh in 2020 it was the release year so 2019 was a, you know, and plus we do this part-time, we got families and, and spouses and jobs. so, and jobs. And day jobs. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got their day jobs still, unfortunately. Right. You do if you're 80. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's like what I told the guys when, when they, you know, Bob's going to be, he's been in, now the band's been around 20 years and we just did our 110th show last Friday. I keep wow. track of everything, 110. <laughs> Bob's been with me for 10 years. Tim's been with me for seven. And Ryan's been with me for four. I think I got that right. And um, so I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I, just, I was wanted to mention, though, the one tour date you talked about for the 19th, you're going to be uh, playing with uh, – our friends there, Mr. Gray, also. Right. Yeah. yeah. Eric sang with me on um, the song uh, Between Light and Shadow on Inside the Mirror. He's a fantastic rock singer. Nice guy. We like them a lot. The drummer, man, he's the happiest guy on earth. He is. We, yeah. we had Kenny Barlow on the show yeah. about, uh, what, four months ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I've been on the Nashville scene for, I guess, 16 years now, and I have seen so many bands come and go. And um, there's only been a few bands like Noise Cult that have survived, you know, Black Sky Tribe and Mr. Gray mm -hmm. and a few others that are, are still, you know, together and making music and, uh, and getting out there and, and delivering the goods. But, but you know, uh, really... That's that's in our set and our scene and our age range and all that. There are bands all around, you know, Murfreesboro. There's probably gigs going on tonight, and they're like angry, just like young bucks playing hard metal that are just rocking out, and it's their time. And you know, we're elder statesmen at this point, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we and we try to check in with those those younger bands as they're coming around. Uh, we talked yeah. to one earlier on in the week. Exists, from, yeah. yeah, from early on the week from. Uh, um, Philly PA, Everlet, you know, we've talked to guys from out there. We've talked to Naked Gypsy Queens when they are starting to come up, you know. So, yeah, we're starting to talk with a lot of the, the newer and younger acts because those are the guys going forward that have to spread the message and keep it going, right? It's their time, yeah. 
Yeah, and also over the years, I've always been searching and trying to connect and network with professional interests. And uh, it's been, um, there's a dead letter office out there for emails that never get answered. And um, every time we have a new album, we always push it the best we can. We ultimately just want distribution and and really sweet opportunities to play festivals. We want to play in front of people as much as possible, as many times as possible a year. And we do have distribution. We, we are independent, a band. We are our own record label. We do have distribution in Germany and here in, over in Hollywood, California. We have these two, two uh, places. And we're always still searching for more distribution. We want to get South America and Japan. But a lot of the music is not even sold in your stores anymore. All of it is online. It's all social media. But I think a lot of it can get lost. And for people who are diehard fans of music, whatever genre it is, they have to dig and find a little bit harder. And the bands need to try to get the social media thing to work to where you can reach a larger audience because uh, the, most of the audience now is on their phone and their computers and it's all on the internet. Yeah, yep, you're exactly right. And that's kind of why we started this show, just to kind of get people back in touch with some of the bands that are going on. Maybe they haven't heard about or they don't know what's going on or, you know, because a lot of shows that got canceled and tours that got canceled, you know. But, uh, yeah, rock is really big in in, in Europe, uh, UK. There's a really a lot going on there. You know, there's there's new bands coming up all the time. But you're totally right. Social media is the key. You, you have to learn that that little seeker of how to tweak that. And how to make it work for you to, to sp spread the word. That's that's for sure. Well, we've also said what a joy it is to actually hold an album in your hands and um, read the liner notes and just have some actual physical product in your hands. Oh, uh, yes. The good old days. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least for our part, I'm a fanatic about doing the full jewel case and everything. Everybody's like, just do a cardboard sleeve, man. I'm like, no, every band that I like <laughs> that means something that seems like they succeed have jewel case CDs. We're going to have, you know, I'm not cutting. And our unit cost on that is like a dollar 80, man. Come on. You know, why don't you want to have a deluxe product when your unit cost is so low, you know, mere mortals right. can afford to do this. Yeah. You know? That's a, that's a big debate for a lot of artists. Now I know a lot of artists aren't, are putting out physical media anymore, or they don't release new songs, things like that, you know, with, with the streaming and Spotify and Apple music and all these things. The so it's kind of, stupidly it, expensive yeah vinyls. vinyls well they got the like the super high grade vinyl now out there it's like you know i'm i'm, I'm sorry i'm not paying 35 dollars if the vinyl's this thick i i'm sorry but yeah. I, I still like vinyl i'll go get the old album and still listen to it every once in a while sure i got i have my album collection you know and i still like the sound of vinyl definitely and it's cool when when sometimes they they put out a special album you know or a special compilation album that's vinyl that's neat when they still do that I definitely I, I like still, the, the big art, but I, I vastly prefer digital clarity without pop and hiss and noise and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't miss the pop and hiss, but it was it's definitely a rich, a richer, different sound from vinyl. But yeah, you get the crystal clarity from dig, from digital, obviously. Yeah, you, you get the best with both worlds. I still have all my vinyl. And in fact, I was at Walmart tonight and I saw a Rush 2112 album for sale you know because they sell in vinyl 
I went ahead and picked it up. You know, I'm a Rush fan, so I, is it, I don't. Is it the authentic gatefold and all that, like it's supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, 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 it is. Okay, you okay. know, I mean, right. so you I, got I, you guys I, brought I, up Rush. So do you know Jerry's got the coolest Rush album that I've ever seen? I don't know if you guys heard about that. A Russian roulette where you drop the needle and it plays one song, like Spirit of the Radio, for example, and then you drop the needle again and it plays Tom Sawyer, for example. It's uh it's multi-grooved. Yes. When you Mad drop magazine the needle did that one time and I had a little Mad Magazine vinyl record, the 45 that you played it and it gave you a different message each time. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Coolest thing, coolest thing. Definitely. So um, I know, Keith, you talked about um, actually starting a Rush cover band in Nashville and Buffalo, New York has their own called the Analog Kids. Um, I would That's a good name. see something like that, Keith, if you um, ever have the time. And um, I might be able to recommend a few musicians and send them your way that could probably pull that off. That would be great. Um, I've had the name of the band, um, Snow Dogs, for quite a long time now. And the very first show I want to do, I, I want to play the entire All the World to Stage live. That's just to get started. You know, I, I love that band. <laughs> I love that band so much. And I have, list, I have played along to that record for the past 40 years on guitar. And the um, we're looking for... Um, a lead singer. We got a bass player. We're just looking. At, you know, it's Kevin Butler and myself uh, so far. And um, I don't know if it's going to turn into like an Iron Tribe thing, where you got multiple multiple bass players. You know, multiple drummers. But we don't have a drummer right now. Um, Bob, it's the closest thing in my life to Neil Peart. Wow, that's that's a huge huge compliment there. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, you should. You guys should really check out Analog Kids and, and check the, those. They guys were pretty, pretty smoking hot, but definitely. So I, I know we're we're cutting it close on time here. So I just wanted to say, uh, if there's, you know, where should they folks go to check out your music? Should they go to your website or should they yeah. just check you out on Spotify or where should they check you out? Well, if you go to oblivionmyth.com. All the social media links are there to go to Spotify, to go to Pandora, to go to YouTube, to go to iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all there. Beautiful. I was really looking for you just to come out to our show and buy a CD there. <laughs> yeah, that's important too. Right. We'll sign it. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> so have you guys ever played the Basement East or Bowie's in Nashville? Not yet. It's uh, be very well received at uh, those two places, I think. Bowie's was um, a good place to play. Yeah, you get a lot of walk-ins from downtown. Right, yeah. Which place? Bowie's. Bowie's. Good crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly Bowie's is all about cover bands. So it's a little bit tougher to, for, uh, you know, to get a really decent time slot there right now to play original music. But that would be nice, and I had tried, but things haven't worked out yet. We're we not too Mr. Mr. Gray played there. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't closed the door on any on any venue. Um, it all depends on 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 what night it is and 
availability and, you know, it's like uh, we definitely missed the Rutledge. And um, we still talk about that that club. That was a really good club. We used to play the Muse a lot. That's now a Domino's Pizza. And <laughs> yep. I guess Revelry. I guess now I guess now we're going to be you know this is the last year for Canary Row, and I guess they'll tear that down and put up another condo. Yeah, yeah, Revelry it's unfortunate. Pretty good. You yeah, know, we played we played the Mercy Lounge. We played the High Watt and we loved it. And I've seen Ingve at the Cannery Ballroom as well as Testament and Exodus. It's going to be a shame to see that building go. But, you know, there's a company in New York that, that, that now owns it, and they don't care what we care about. It's very unfortunate. It's all about the bottom line, and they, they yep. progress, unfortunately. Yeah. But this is right. New Nashville. We are losing venues for, for original music. Um, uh, you know, you got all these honky tonks on Broadway, but you know, what are they playing? They're playing country music. So um, the only venue that I can see right now, I mean, we got the exit in, we got the end, and we've got the Cobra. If there's any other ones out there, please let me know. Because um, <laughs> we'll play it. Well, the um, exit in might uh, go by the wayside as well. There's I know. About that as well. So very unfortunate. So um, last question before I leave you guys here. Um, what do the wives and girlfriends think about what you do? Um, I don't know if any of your, um, your ladies were in attendance Friday night, but do they um, just say, okay, honey, um, you go ahead and uh, – and, and play in the band and I'm going to sit at home and, and do my own hobbies and interests or are they active participants in, in what you do here with Oblivion Myth? Well, um, I would say no, there are no girlfriends. We all have wives. <laughs> and um, my wife, Rose, is very supportive about the band and the music and, and she helps out with the merch, you know, when she can. She can't be there for every show, but when she is, she's like part of the team. Come she does an amazing job with the merch too. Yeah. Mine says, okay, honey, go do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I met Rose at a Iron Tribe show. You guys did a Christmas fundraiser. Um, On Toys for Tots. What's that? Those toys for tots. Right, right. And I can't. At the Cobra. Claws. It was at the Cobra. Um, no, it was at um, another venue that's not in use anymore, Little Harpeth. Oh, man. Yeah. I that, place. that was another place that we did that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that place. was a great venue. Yeah, I thought so too. The, the Little Harpeth got hit by a tornado, and then the whole world got hit with the pandemic right and little, uh, it, it's a shame that we lost a little harper's little harper's yeah. being a, a brewery i mean the thing was this gigantic warehouse and half of it was the brewery and the vats and kegs and then i don't know maybe you know the other half was this big open room with a big stage a good pa it was wonderful and then it had the absolute rarest of things a green room where this is a brewery, so the fridge has beer in it, <laughs> which lasted an hour or so. But 
that's like that never happens you know a green room with beer in the fridge are you kidding me <laughs> yeah you can't beat that right right exactly exactly well guys um thank you so much for coming on um thank you, thank you for having us thank you thank so you. much it was, thank oh, you for coming out to our show and looking forward to playing more shows and looking forward to see you at the shows and yeah, yeah definitely definitely keep us posted guys if you got more dates coming you got more releases coming out we, we'd, we'd love to hear more stuff from you what's happening you know keep us in the loop keep dairy in the loop um definitely like to hear more love love the stuff that you're doing keep it up you know Thank definitely you. so Thank excellent you. so um if you folks out there would like to know more about us or you have comments or questions please feel free to email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com please follow us on facebook Instagram and Twitter. And as always, you can check out this interview and other other ones on our YouTube channel. And please subscribe to our channel. We would really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It was great talking with you. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you so much. much. We appreciate thank it. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks, have a good guys. night. Bye.